Hi, and welcome to our podcast at Elim Life Church. We're really praying that you would be impacted by God's word as you listen today. If you've got any stories of answered prayer or you'd like to get in touch in any way, please contact us via our website, www.elimlifechurch.co.uk. God bless. Hi there, my name is Dominic D'Souza from City Church Cardiff and Elam's national leadership team. It's a pleasure to come into your Elam Church today and to have the privilege of being able to share this sermon with you. A game that my three-year-old daughter absolutely loves playing with me at the moment is the invisible game, as we call it. I touch her nose and she turns invisible and then I proceed to look for her all around the house. But of course, each time she eludes me because of her cloak of invisibility. Invisibility. According to one survey, this is the UK's most desired superpower. But invisibility is not just make-believe. And indeed, the world has been feeling the power of invisibility in recent times with the global pandemic that is the coronavirus. In many ways, the virus's biggest threat is precisely its invisibility, its ability to mutate and wreak all kinds of havoc in a way that is unseen by the human eye. And against that backdrop, I want to introduce my sermon today. My message is entitled The invisible war. And I'm going to be focusing on the theme of spiritual warfare, an often misunderstood topic. Now, I know it's a bit of a caricature, and this is of course not true of anyone in your church, but there are some Christians who are so fascinated and absorbed by spiritual warfare that it's as if they see a demon behind every lamppost. And yet on the opposite end of the spectrum, there are other Christians who downplay or even ignore the idea of spiritual warfare altogether. I think the renowned author C.S. Lewis was right when he said, When speaking about the reality of Satan and demonic activity, the danger is always twofold. To put way too much emphasis or way too little. Today I hope to bring a balanced perspective on this popular but at times difficult and controversial subject. I'm going to read shortly from 2 Kings chapter 6 in the Old Testament. And here Israel is at war with the king of Aram. And the king is out to get the prophet Elisha. Elisha's servant looks out one morning and he sees the horses, the chariots and the soldiers coming against Elisha. They are literally surrounded and he thinks we're done for. This is it. There's absolutely no way out. So he worriedly reports back to Elisha. But listen to what the completely unfazed Elisha says to his servant in verse 16. Don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now, at this point, the servant must have been thinking, I respect my master Elisha, but what is he on? Can he not count? Clearly, we are outnumbered. And this leads me on to my first of three points today. So point number one, there is more to the world than what we physically see. Verse 17 of 2 Kings chapter 6 shows that Elisha said what he said because he was seeing with spiritual eyes into the invisible realm. And it says, And Elisha prayed, Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Though we, of course, live in the physical realm, the Bible reveals, and we see it vividly illustrated here, that there is another realm that is just as real and even more powerful. This is what we may call the spiritual or unseen realm. And it's in this spirit realm that there's a war raging between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness, between the forces of good and the forces of evil. More on that in a moment in point two. 
But sometimes, and no doubt due to the prevalence and the promulgation of the naturalistic, materialistic worldview, which squeezes out the spiritual and causes us to focus solely on the things of this earth, sometimes it appears that Christians have had their senses deadened to the supernatural and the unseen realm. For all intents and purposes, we live our day-to-day -day lives as if this physical realm is the only one that matters. But if you take away the supernatural, you take away Christianity. Let's not forget that the Bible is a spiritual, supernatural book. We read about God and angels and demons and miracles. And we will miss much if we read it purely through a naturalistic lens. And what we need to realise is that this physical world that we see with our physical eyes and the physical world that we experience with the other four senses too is not all that there is. Someone may say, I don't believe in things I can't see. Well, actually... If I was to push that, I'd hazard a guess that that's probably not the case. Electricity, you can't see it, but all of us are experiencing the effects of it even now. Carbon monoxide, you can't see it, you can't smell it, it's completely invisible, but it can still kill you. Viruses such as COVID-19, you get the picture. There are realities that we don't see, but are still nevertheless 100% real. As Elisha prayed, the servant was able to see what he wasn't able to previously see. He was able to see into the invisible realm and see the protection from God that he and Elisha actually had. God gave him a glimpse into the spiritual world and he realised that he was not in the battle alone. Friends, I want to tell you what you see is not all that there is. There is in fact so much more going on around us than what we actually see going on around us. Now that means we also have to have our spiritual wits about us and be on guard. More on that in a moment too. But it also means this, and here's the good news if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. If you're going through a battle right now, you are not alone. Of course, it may not be an army before you wanting to take you captive as it was for Elisha. But when we are confronted with those sudden crises and trials that seem beyond our control, we don't need to panic. Angel armies and the God of angel armies, in fact, they are surrounding you. So it may seem like you're surrounded by the enemy, but actually you're surrounded by God. I remember a time when I was a little boy traveling on the district line on the London Underground with my mum. A man in the row of seats next to ours had a sudden and violent outburst at a woman who had simply asked him to stop smoking. And he started to kick down the carriage and then began threatening to kill that woman and hurt others too, including us. We were in the tunnel at this point and I remember my mum, she immediately started to pray. And then I said to her, don't forget I was a little boy here. I said, don't worry mum, God is going to send his policeman from heaven. And I kid you not, within seconds the train stopped in the tunnel and two policemen opened the carriage door, walked in and grabbed the man who immediately ceased his fit of rage. And then they disappeared with him through the carriage door as quickly as they appeared. A little while later, the train started moving again. Now, I don't know if these were angels. I thought they might have been, but I acknowledge I could have had too much sugar that day. But regardless, here's my point. If you are connected to Christ, God's unseen forces are working on your behalf, both through natural and supernatural means. If only you could see with your spiritual eyes, you'd see that those who are for you are more than those who are against you. Maybe not in the natural, but certainly in the spiritual realm. That doesn't mean Christians will never suffer or experience problems, but it does mean that in Christ we have the victory and not even death can take that away.
Though you can't see them, God has released his angels to help you in the battle. So ask him to open your eyes so that you may see what there really is and so that you may have the courage you need to face what is worrying or attacking you. But remember, there is more to the world than what you physically see. My second point today is this. Every Christian is engaged in an invisible war. What do I mean by this? Well, the Bible tells us that there are three enemies that are warring against us. The world, now not the world as in people, but the world as in the system of ideas and values that are organised in active hostility and rebellion against the things of God. Secondly, the flesh, as in the sin nature, that is inclined towards disobeying God. And thirdly, the devil. Now, it's hard to win a battle if you don't know who you are really fighting. But let me say, you have a spiritual enemy, the devil, Satan. He is an invisible angelic being who has a host of fallen angels called demons. And it is the devil who wages warfare against believers. He seeks to destroy God's purposes in your life. He wants to tempt you. He wants to deceive you. He wants to rob you. He wants to accuse you. He wants to ruin your life. He wants you to start thinking the wrong stuff about God, about yourself and about others too. And he has specific strategies to make you ineffective as a Christian. He wants to neutralise you. He wants to stop you from fulfilling God's plan for your life. By the way, I'm focusing here on how the devil opposes Christians. But let me also say the devil is the enemy of everyone, of all people, not just Christians. It's a sermon for another time. But let me say that those without Christ have just no defence against the onslaught and schemes of Satan. For those who are in Christ, however, the blood of Jesus, the blood that he shed on the cross when he died to take away your sins and my sins, that blood ultimately gives us victory over Satan. We are all engaged in an invisible war with the enemy. And this is what we call spiritual warfare. This war cannot be seen, but you are in it. And that's why you need to engage the battle correctly. So you have a choice. Be ready for battle or walk about with a civilian mentality and ignore it. But make no mistake about it. If you do the latter, you will become a casualty of war. Sooner or later, you will get hit. You will get taken out. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10, it shows us how we should engage this battle. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And here the Apostle Paul is saying that we need to allow ourselves to be continually strengthened by God. It's not about trying to muster up strength in and of ourselves to fight this war. It's not about our own resources or our own power. For one, you're not strong enough to fight the devil on your own. But there is power available, mighty power, the power of the Holy Spirit. And it is by staying close to God and his word that we draw on this power. And then you will have power from on high to stand up against the enemy in this invisible war. Next in verse 11 of Ephesians 6, Paul tells us the following thing that we have to do to effectively engage this war. And he says, put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. The armour of God helps us to stand and triumph against the devil's strategies. And then verse 12 reminds us, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. In other words, this invisible war that we're in is not against people. 
but instead, and here Paul lists a hierarchy of demonic power and what we are really fighting against, it's against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So whilst you may think the battle is against your boss or your spouse or your kids or some other human enemy, actually your battle is against the powers and the principalities that are in the invisible realm. You can't see them, but they are 100% real. Now that doesn't mean that the devil can't use people to negatively impact us, especially when those people have gateways that are open to his influence. And it doesn't mean either that you don't have to address problems at the human level. But the real enemy is a spiritual one. And ultimately, a spiritual enemy needs to be resisted with spiritual weapons. And that's how we get to the root of these issues. This is why we need to learn to walk in the authority that we have over the enemy as believers. That said, let's get some balance here. Because sometimes it's not the enemy at all. It's our own foolish choices. I've heard far too many Christians, in fact, over the years, blaming the devil when in fact the real culprit is their own silly decisions. If you don't study and you fail your exams, don't blame the devil. If you get into debt because you're making poor spending choices, don't blame the devil. But that qualification made, it is true that even believers who are walking in the will of God can face satanic opposition at times. And things can happen to us that are a result of demonic activity. But even in such circumstances, you can know that when we stick with God, even what was intended for evil can work out for our good. So yes, we face a very real threat against the enemy, but we're not in it alone. We can draw on the power of God and we can wear spiritual armour, which helps us to stand up against all of his schemes. So how do we take this authority? Now, there are a number of things I could say here, staying close to and listening to Jesus being chief amongst them. For as we submit to God, we can resist the devil and he will flee. But for today, let me focus on 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 to 4. And here it says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Here we are reminded that we are in a war in the invisible realm. Now we don't fight this war with guns or swords or nuclear weapons. This is a spiritual war and we fight with spiritual weapons such as the word of God, intercessory prayer and breakthrough worship. And Paul goes on in the next verse in verse 5 to say that specifically we fight by taking every thought captive. This is because the battleground for that invisible war is more often than not your mind. Satan wants to get you to doubt the word of God, to believe his lies. He wants to deceive you, to build strongholds around you. If he can do that, if he can build a mental prison in your mind, he knows he can influence your actions and your behavior. For where your mind goes, you follow. But when you do spiritual warfare, be it through prayer or worship or applying the truth and principles of the word of God into a given situation, you are taking thoughts that are against the knowledge of God captive. You are demolishing strongholds and renewing your mind. This is why spiritual warfare is such an important activity and discipline for Christians to engage in. It enables God's thoughts and not Satan's to rule our mind. So let's remember, if you are a Christian, you are at war. This leads me on to my third and final point today. There is a real power in prayer. We saw earlier in 2 Kings 6 about the power of prayer. Elisha prayed and the servant's eyes were open to spiritual reality. 
And note that in Ephesians 6, right after that passage we read about the armour of God, which protects us and helps us to fight in this war. Paul tells us in verse 18 that we should be praying always. Prayer is in fact what activates the armour of God and makes it effective. For apart from God, our efforts in spiritual warfare would be utterly futile. Now, if you allow me also to extend our war analogy just a little bit more, prayer is like air support in the invisible war. You see, air support changes the battle entirely. And that's what we're doing when we pray. We are calling in air support from heaven. James chapter 5 and verse 16 says that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Friends, I want to tell you, your prayers are more powerful, far more powerful than you will ever know. Remember when Daniel prayed and fasted in Daniel chapter 10? It looked like nothing happened for the first 21 days. But in actual fact, as soon as he prayed, God heard his prayer and released an angel with that answer. But for 21 days, the angel did battle against an evil spirit, a demon in the invisible realm. Of course, Daniel didn't know any of this at the time. It just seemed as if his prayer was going unanswered, as if God wasn't listening. Or in the natural realm, though. Do you know why? Because in the invisible realm, something entirely different was happening. Here we have an insight into the battle going on in the heavenlies and how what happens in that invisible realm ultimately affects what happens in the visible realm. There are battles going on all around us, even now, that we may not see with the natural eye. Battles between angels and demons, for instance. Although we have to realise that, unlike with Daniel, we are now this side of the cross, and this changes everything. And more on that in a moment. But let me say here, there is a real power in prayer. A delay is not always a denial, so don't allow Satan to get you down. Even when you think that nothing is happening, things are going on in the spiritual realm. Your prayers make a difference. God hears our prayers the moment we utter them. The prayers are prayed in his will. Sometimes we can pray in the flesh and not in the will of God, but the prayers prayed in his will, he hears them instantly and he may well answer them immediately. But if he doesn't, what we need to do is keep praying in Jesus' name and just not give up and keep on trusting him throughout because prayer is a weapon of mass destruction in this invisible war. As I prepare to draw this message to a close, let me say, Though we are involved in this invisible war, as believers, when we fight, we do not fight for victory. Instead, we fight from victory. What we need to remember is that because of the resurrection, which validates everything that Jesus stood for on the cross and everything that he achieved, Jesus has already won the war. We are now just applying the victory. We are in the cleanup operation, that cleanup operation that will last until Jesus comes again and fully consummates what he started in his first coming. Satan is already a defeated enemy. His legal authority was rendered null and void by the finished work of Christ on the cross. And the resurrection of Jesus from the dead proves it. What every Christian needs to know, therefore, is that there is power in the name of Jesus. So when evil seems to be having its way, let's remember that we are no longer powerless against the enemy. The devil may appear to have a certain amount of power. And yes, I guess up until that time he's thrown into the lake of fire and the Bible says that that is his ultimate destiny. But up until that time, he will persistently try to mess illegally with Christians. But in reality, the only authority he has is the authority that we give him. Sometimes we can bestow that upon him through a lack of knowledge, 
you know, ignorance of God's word or laziness, not doing what we need to do when we need to do it, or disobedience, not following what God says. But the default state of every Christian is a position of victory. Jesus came to destroy the devil's work and so you are not powerless before the enemy. Sometimes people ask the question, can a Christian have a demon? Do you know what my answer to that is these days? If you want one. If you want a demon, you can have one. Now, clearly I'm being slightly tongue-in-cheek there, but here's what I really mean. Sin, willful, persistent, conscious sin, opens a doorway to the devil, to the demonic. As a believer in Jesus, your default state is one of victory over the enemy. So don't go opening the door again to Satan. After Jesus rose from the grave, victorious over sin, death and the devil, he proclaimed, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then he commissioned us to go in his name and make disciples. As a believer, you have the authority over Satan in the unseen realm. All that Satan has stolen from us, we have the authority to reclaim in the name of Jesus. You can rebuke and resist the enemy in the power of Jesus. So yes, you are involved in an invisible war, but do not fret because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Amen. If you are listening or watching today and you're not a believer in Jesus, you will not presently be able to know the victory over the devil and hell that I've been declaring today. But right now, at this moment, you can make a decision to receive Jesus Christ into your heart as Lord and Saviour and enter into a life-changing relationship with him. If you want to make this decision, there's a prayer that's going to appear on the screen, which I want to invite you to pray with me in a moment. It's a prayer saying sorry to God for the sins that have disconnected you from him. It's a prayer of surrender to him. A prayer through which you can make peace with God and know that in this invisible war, you will be on the winning side. And if you mean this from your heart, you will receive forgiveness and ultimately enjoy eternal life with God in heaven. Remember, there is more to this world than what we see. And so my hope now is that God would open your eyes to see the truth of Jesus and the reality of heaven and that you would receive Jesus into your heart. So if your answer to this amazing invitation is yes, then please say this prayer with me out loud and from your heart. Jesus, I acknowledge that I have done wrong things and that my sin has separated me from you. But I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. Today I ask for your forgiveness and thank you for your gift of new life. I receive you as my Lord and Saviour. I choose relationship with you and I choose to live for you. Please come into my heart and change my life now and forevermore. Amen. Congratulations if you said that prayer for the first time or in a meaningful way today. Please tell someone about it, maybe now through the chat function or later via your church's website or phone number. There are people on hand who would love to help you outwork this awesome decision and grow in your new relationship with God. Thank you for your time today and God bless you.